Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll briefly discuss the Grammys, and then we're going to talk about HBO's new show, The Young Pope. Now, we're recording this uh, the day before Valentine's Day, and it's being released the day after Valentine's Day, so I'm a little late in asking this, but (laughs) I don't care. So, Let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, let's answer the question, what love story should people consume this week? I'm Lucas Wright. I'm a designer from the Bay Area, and I would say I mine's a tie. Okay. I'm going to do a tie between two. Beauty and the Beast, which right. is the, one of the best love stories ever, Debatable. and Notting Hill, which, will you agree with me on that one, is one of the best love stories ever, maybe? I mean, Maybe? I will agree that it is one of the best rom-coms ever. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love Notting Hill. Good, good. Yeah, everyone have... should everyone should watch those two movies this week if you get a chance. I do love it. Um, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think you should watch the movie Obvious Child. It was my favorite movie the year it came out. It's a really, really sweet, charming, funny love story. And it also um, deals with abortion in a really positive way. And nowadays we need positive stories about abortion so um, and representation of that. So I think it's fitting for the times and it's so romantic. Uh, I'm going to say that's probably not a great Valentine's Day movie. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. I think it's a great one. You do you, Sandra. You do you. I haven't <laughs> seen it. so <laughs> You should, Lucas. It's really, really good. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Uh, this week, I am feeling the new FX show Legion. Um, it's It premiered last Thursday, and I love, love this show. It's run by Noah Hawley, who also runs Fargo for FX, um, and stars Dan Stevens of Downton Abbey fame. Correct? He's yep. from Downton Abbey? Yep. Okay. I never watched Downton Abbey, so I'm assuming. Oh, that surprises um, me, Lucas. Really? That surprises you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I feel like you love the Brit. I don't love soap operas, so I guess, yeah, they might cancel each other out. I can see where okay. I'd fall in the middle on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, At least the first season. I could see you not, like, keeping up with it, but, like, Is it super it. soapy? Um, I think it gets super soapy. Mm, I think the first okay. season that I watched wasn't quite as soapy, but then okay. I kind of skipped out after season two. Yeah, yeah. Well, FX, not FX, Legion stars <laughs> Dan Stevens, who plays... A man who's lived most of his life in or most of his adult life in a mental institute and just what kind of goes on with his brain. And I don't want to get too spoilery about what happens in the pilot, but it's a very non-traditional pilot. Um, There's not a lot. Usually like the Mad Men pilot or, you know, Breaking Bad pilot, you get your setup. You kind of know where the show's going. Um, And this one, I have absolutely no clue what is going on or even what is real. He is diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic 
not paranoid. He's diagnosed as schizophrenic. And so half the stuff that's happening, you're not entirely sure if it's a memory or if it's the present or if it's made up in his head or what is going on. But Sandra, you you watched this show as well, correct? I did, yeah. Did you did you like it? Let me start there. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely intrigued by it. Yeah. Um, the whole aspect of what is real and what is not definitely mm-hmm. doesn't appeal to me. Oh, I, really? Yeah. I've skipped out on a lot of shows and movies because I know that that's going to be a factor in it. And I really, when I watch something, I don't want to have to do a lot of work trying to figure out, is this relevant <laughs> to the plot or is this just like a, a hallucination that, you know, mm-hmm. is there for style, you know? Right, um, right. And so I think that is kind of frustrating. And so I'm interested about whether this show is good enough for me to like get past that. Right. Um, or if it like maintains the same level of confusion throughout the series as it has in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of stuff in this pilot that I think is so, so impressive and yes. entertaining and interesting. Um, I think Dan Stevens is like incredibly charismatic and I loved watching him in this. And I knew going into it that it had some ties to the X-Men universe. Yeah, um, so, so that's not normally something that, I mean, I'm obviously all in for superhero shows, but I think that in this specific instance, it's not necessarily something that is super tied to the plot of this right now, which is interesting. I Huh, I don't know if I do, agree with oh, that. Oh, do you think it is? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to spoil this episode. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. One of the main plot points of the episode, I think, definitely deals with that. I guess, I guess, yes, it is tied to the X-Men universe. It's tied to people having powers. But I guess in this guy's instance, like, okay, so we get, we get kind of a, a lot of different kind of superhero shows. We get the very like DC centric CW shows that are sure. monster of the week, um, just kind of traditional happy go lucky superheroes. Yep. Um, and then you have like the Netflix shows that are a little more sequential, kind of playing out a specific storyline over the whole season. Like you get this big arc. But I feel like all of those shows kind of cement you in, all right. Th- this is the superhero, these are the powers this person has, and kind of, it gives you all of that information in the pilot. Sure. Whereas this, I mean, we don't even know if this guy's a superhero or not. I, I keep saying superhero. This guy has any kind of powers at all in this show. Because I, I I can already tell this is not going to be like a superhero show. This is just going to be a people with powers kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I and love. That, yeah, that, that to me was really, really interesting, just in the fact that, we're basically seeing this world from this guy's perspective who's possibly schizophrenic, possibly just has some weird powers that we're not sure about and or both, who knows, and just kind of throwing that all out there and being like, all right, we'll 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 clean up some of this stuff later. But yeah, we just don't know what's going on. So it's hard to judge it by the pilot for sure. Sure. I don't think there's there's a good way to say yes, this is going to be a great show or no, it's going to be terrible, but the pilot got me really intrigued and I'm really excited about where it goes from here. I trust it because of Noah Hawley. I See, love, love Fargo. I was going to so. say, I haven't seen Fargo. So mm. um, I, I've i heard great things about it, but I don't know for sure for myself whether his style is something I'm going to be excited about right. or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
this is this is a show I would say everybody watch the pilot and then we'll see how we'll see where people fall on this show later. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely going to stay tuned in. Um, Good. Like I said, I think the biggest thing for me is going to be if every single episode is like the pilot and that I can it's a real struggle to figure out what's real or not. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm going to be sticking around. I I can see that going away pretty quickly, yeah, hopefully I'm hoping as so. well. Yeah. I think I think stylistically this show is amazing as well. This oh. is one of the few shows that doesn't feel like it's set in the real modern world. It's not like a period piece and it's not a, you know, I guess fictitious universe either. It's very much this is America in a certain time period but a weird kind of twist on it. So I, I adore any kind of show or movie where um, you can't tell what year it is because it's mm-hmm. a blend of futuristic and nostalgic, yep. yeah. um, especially with costuming. And this show does that really well. Yes. Yes. I, I, so I don't know if they can tie it into the X-Men universe or if they want to, I kind of hope they don't. Um, but that is kind of what, it, what it's set in, in the comics at least. Right. Um, and I'd kind of love it if they just kind of left it its own thing here. Sure. From what I've heard of interviews, I do think it is going to be kind of its own thing. I feel like because it's a it's Marvel, they they kind of have to, they have to tie in everything. Um, but I don't know. We'll we'll see how they do it. Yeah. We'll see how they do it. I'm also very curious how, um, like like raunchy the show gets because it's on FX. You know, um, either sexual or violent. You know, like mm-hmm. I think X- FX has like this standard of like going a little bit beyond what a lot of other networks can do, especially networks like the CW. Um, and so, but it's not like HBO either, you know? So right. I'm, I'm just very curious about what with this um, story they're planning, how far they're willing to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I'm excited to keep tuning in. Thanks for that. Yeah, me too. This. Yeah. Um, this week, in honor of Valentine's Week, again, I know I'm late, but oh well, <laughs> it's me. We can talk about this all year long. But specifically, <laughs> what I'm feeling this week is a podcast called The Heart. It, um, I believe, used to be called Audio Smut, and it's rebranded in the past few years as The Heart. And on its website, it's described as an audio art project about intimacy and humanity. It's founded and hosted by Caitlin Prest, and... Here's the thing about podcasts and me. I typically really like podcasts that are not heavily produced or heavily edited. They're hit record and have a conversation. A lot of uh, podcasts that comedians host, um, a lot of pop culture podcasts where it's kind of similar to our format, where it's just kind of like a round table and we all discuss things that we are feeling or our opinions about a certain movie. Um, I, I don't do a lot of podcasts where there's a lot of audio design. And I, I think I just like the more naturalistic approach. However, this podcast is one of the few that I really appreciate the production so much. It is storytelling for the most part. Sometimes Caitlin, as the host, will interview several people about a topic and they tell stories. Sometimes she just introduces a guest and the guest um, tells a prepared story. Um, there is a lot of 
musical uh, production that happens throughout the entire episode during the interviews. There's a lot of sound effects that are put into place in this podcast. And it's very, um, it really transports you to this story that people are telling. And of course, I love this podcast so much because it, it focuses on stories about love, relationships, sex, gender. Um, and I love all of those topics so much. They're right up my alley. I also love um, like the lens through which this podcast is being curated. I feel like uh, when it started as a podcast called Audio Smut, my understanding it is was that it was very focused on stories about sex geared towards women and queer people. And now I think it's a more broader perspective, but it's still being told through like the lens of it's, you know, all women are producing this podcast. Um, I believe the main host is a queer woman. And um, I really love just the point of view that is being like shown here. I also really love how explicit this podcast can get. There's um, very frank conversations about sex that I think are so wonderful to hear. Um, I, it's really easy to consume also because it's not really, um, unlike Serial, which is like a heavily produced podcast where you kind of needed to listen to all the episodes in order for it to make sense. This is really just, um, broken up into bite-sized pieces. The episodes range from 10 minutes to 30 or 40 minutes. Um, most of them I think are around the 20 to 30 minute range and, uh, they're just these small little pieces of lovely stories about humanity that I um, find really, really special. You and your perfect Valentine's Day picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I want to tell people, because I think a podcast like this can be hard to start, because it's like there's, there's you know tons and tons of episodes and there's no clear starting point. Um, I wanted to give just a few recommendations of ones that I have listened to that have really, I thought were really special. The first episode I ever listened to that someone recommended to me um, is called The Hurricane. And um, it aired a while back. It aired on March 3rd, 2015. So that hopefully will help you like find that episode. Um, but that was just like a lovely 17 minute story about, um, just kind of a fling that this one woman had where a guy she just met stayed at her apartment throughout a weekend when there was a hurricane and and you know, they were kind of trapped in an apartment together. And um, it was such a beautiful story. And so I think that's a really great place for people to start. I've also really loved um, the most recent episodes that, that have been airing um, it's a small mini series they're doing on the podcast called Pansy. And it's about um, people who were born biologically male um, that kind of present in feminine ways. So a, and there's a variety of people that fall into that category. So there are men that identify as male, but that, you know, people kind of think are a little bit feminine. There are people that, um, identify as non-binary or genderqueer. There's straight men, there's queer men. Um, and it's a lot of interviews with all these different types of people that fall under that category and um, what their experience has been like and what how other people have treated them because of that and how it's affected their relationships. Um, 
it's been really, really lovely to listen to. My favorite of the episodes of that series that has come out is called The Beloved. Um, and I think there's been three episodes so far. Um, the last, the most recent three. And I'm hoping that there's going to be more. But if not, even those three were really, really special. Um, those three were called The Beloved, Ultra Slut, and Twirl. Um, so I would highly recommend starting with those. Just the most recent episodes, I think, are a great introduction to this series. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, like I said, short, simple episodes. Um, it, some of them are more about relationships, but some of them are very explicit. There was one I listened to recently that had very vivid, real recordings of people having sex. Like, the very specific sounds throughout the entire episode. So the entire uh, episode, I mean, there was someone telling a story during it, so <laughs> it was woven in and out, you know? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good one. If you're looking for that one in particular, it's called That Smell, and it's nine minutes long. Jeez, Sandra. <laughs> it's a good one. I'm telling you, I, I'm, war I'm warning people about what the <laughs> recommendation is. <laughs> if that doesn't sound appealing to you, don't check out that episode. No, it's it's true. I'm glad you're glad you're giving a, a warning for all. Yeah. Oh, um, man. But I find that really beautiful, and um, and so I've I've really loved listening to it. Nice. So eighteen and overs only. I mean, what are sounds off limits now? Everything's off limits, Sandra. This is Trump's America. <laughs> 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 I got to okay. say that at least once a podcast. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the Grammys. Now, Lucas, neither of us watched the Grammys. <laughs> yeah, let's have a conversation about something neither of us saw. <laughs> I was planning to, and then the time came, and I was just kind of like, ugh, I don't want to watch these Grammys. I... <laughs> let me tell you something, Lucas. I kind of regret that decision. Really? Um, yeah, a little bit. I just like... Okay. I got on Twitter while the Grammys were airing and I missed, I, I feel, I regretted not being a part of the conversation on Twitter mm -hmm. that was happening yeah. that yeah. happens during any kind of major live television event. Right. Um, so I, I regretted it a little bit, but um, overall I'm like, it just didn't, I wasn't up to it. Um, I'd, I'd say overall, this is probably the best Grammys that have ever happened. Now, that's not saying a lot for me I, <laughs> as someone who does not like the Grammys. But overall, I'd say if there's one to watch, this was probably it. Yeah. So. You know, it's, um, it's so crazy to me that the Grammys are like have such a bad rap. Like they should be the most entertaining award show. Like here's the thing, though, you like the in the moment watching the performances. That's what the Grammys are for. Right. The awards, no one really cares about because they're never correct. And I'm used to doing that in quotes because you can't you can't really do that with music. Music is so broad and so specific that your favorite artist is probably never going to even be mentioned at the Grammys, let alone win something. And the best album or, you know, uh, record of the year, that kind of thing is really limited to a specific set of people. And I, I think that's why most people aren't huge fans of the Grammys. It's just yeah. that how the scope of it isn't as great as you would get for the, you know, the Oscars or the golden globes or something sure. like that. 
So, so was there anything from the Grammys that you saw like online afterwards that you were um, interested yeah. in? Yeah, after the Grammys, you can watch all of these performances on YouTube. You don't have to sit through all the awards show. Whereas for, like, the Academy Awards, I love actually watching the awards portions of it. Uh, There aren't a lot of performances there. So I love afterwards going back and see, okay, let's see Chance the Rapper's performance. Let's see how that went. Let's see Beyonce's crazy, ridiculous performance that everybody's talking about. Um, Let's listen. uh, Honestly, the only speech that mattered... At the Grammys, whenever that was, at the Grammys was Adele's, you know, basically saying, I don't deserve this award. This should go to Beyonce. That's the only speech or whatever that mattered at all. I mean, that was the only speech I watched, and I found it very moving. And Mm -hmm. um, I love, she did an interview immediately after, like, and, and she said, and I quote about regarding Beyonce, she said, what does she fucking have to do to win album of the year? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's and she really was a voice for all of us who are in awe the fact that something like Lemonade can't win album of the year. You know, it, like yeah. something that is like truly a masterpiece, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like she did with her self-titled as well. And this one was just kind of like beyond um yeah, to to see to see her lose this year though was, um, it's it, yeah lo- makes you lose all faith in that yeah. institution. Yeah, but also, I guess for me the Grammys are such a closed club. Like once once you're in, you get nominated every year for sure. That like so mm-hmm. we talked a lot about like Beyonce. That's everyone everybody's talking about how she didn't win. She didn't win. She got two Grammys this year. Um, she has what, like 25, somewhere close to that Grammys already. Sure. Yeah. Adele, who really hasn't done a ton. Like, she's she's great, but she hasn't done a ton of records. Yeah, she's like Already has, has like, 15 Grammys. Like, these aren't... Yeah. <laughs> these, these aren't really... Like, an, an Academy Award is hard to get. Meryl Streep only has three of those things. Well, <laughs> because you can win a Grammy for the same thing for like multiple categories. You know what I mean? Like you can be best like hip hop album and best album. You know, there's not at the Academy Awards, you don't have like best action film, best mm-hmm. comedy, and I think, best rock, you know, like romance and then mm-hmm. best picture. So like but you could celebrate so many more people, so many more bands, artists, musicians, yeah. producers, Everything could be better if you just opened it up a little bit wider and let more people participate. It should be a celebration of music, not of these certain people. Mm. So, but yeah, the Grammys. I did watch the Beyonce performance and it was mind blowing. Yeah. I have a picture of her from it as my phone lock screen. I saw that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well done. It's a good picture. Yeah, it really is. And it's perfect for a lock screen. Yeah, it really is. Um, so I highly recommend people go watch that performance if by some off chance you haven't yet. All right. Well, let's talk about the young Pope. HBO released The Young Pope um, earlier in January, 
it was released in Rome, I believe, in October. Is that does that sound right to you, Lucas? Yeah, on Sky Atlantic. Okay, yeah. Um, so, Lucas, how much of the Young Pope have you watched so far? I nine episodes are out. I've seen eight of them. I haven't seen the the most recent episode. Okay, I've watched the first five, so that's kind of like the limited scope that we have so far. Mm-hmm. Um, discussing this show. Was this a show, Lucas, that, like, when you heard about it, you were, like, excited about or um, apprehensive? How are you feeling before it came out? So this this show took me on a roller coaster before it even came out. I, <laughs> when, I, when I first saw the trailer, the first trailer, I was like, this show is going to be insane. This is going to be awesome. And then I kind of came down from it and was like, okay, this could be a really weird interpretation of... I don't know, of just Catholicism in this really weird way that I am end up not being a fan of or it gets super boring. And then all the memes started coming out oh, about the, memes. the young the young Pope memes. This all came out before it had aired in the United States. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, everyone's going to be in on this show. This is going to be a ton of fun to watch. It's going it's to be in the cultural zeitgeist that everybody's in on. And then that all got toned down before it even came out. And so by the time it came out, everyone was kind of like, you know whatever so i then actually watching the show i it took me a couple weeks to figure out whether it's actually something i like or not i didn't know like the first i think three episodes i was completely unsure what the point of the show was like what the viewpoint you have jude law as an actor in this thing is phenomenal he's so captivating but I, I never knew, is he supposed to be an anti-hero? Is he supposed to be a normal hero? What, Where am I, as a viewer, supposed to fit into this situation? Or am I just supposed to be watching something happen from the outside with no ties to it? So that's that's kind of how I felt at the beginning. We'll get into where I am now. But how how did you feel going into this? You know, I saw a preview of this show that wasn't like a trailer. It was just a clip. And... It was a scene of Jude Law as the Pope getting dressed with the song Sexy and I Know It from LMFAO um, playing. <laughs> and someone had shared that online saying, guys, this is an actual scene with the actual music from the young Pope. And yep. so once I saw that and then I saw the memes, I was really on board. Because, yeah, anything that can generate kind of memes like that I think has a special charm to it that I want to at least tune in for. Um, So, and then I heard, you know, really great things from people that I trust. So um, I finally started it this past week. Um, The first episode had me very uneasy. It felt very long. I think it does. I kept thinking like, man, this is fucking just like Legion. I don't know <laughs> where, wh- what's real, what's like a holy vision, what's a dream. What's... There were so many dreams in that first episode. Yes. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't do this with my TV, guys. I just want a plot I can follow. Um, but of course, I was also simultaneously really enchanted by the visual imagery that we have in this show. I mean, it's so stunning, the stuff that we're getting able to see um jude law i thought was really compelling um by the second episode i was so hooked i think the second episode is like very energetic and driving and it really pulls you into this plot line and this character in a way that 
just had me very excited. Um, I feel like it's where Jude Law really gets to kind of show off some more of his acting chops. Let's talk about Jude Law for a second. Yes. I have always liked Jude Law. I, you know, everything he's been in, I've always been impressed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he could pull out a performance like this. I am so, Yeah, this is one of his best, for sure. I'm so captivated by him. I think it's both, like, dramatic and beautiful and, like, purposely funny at the same time. Um, I, I can't stop watching him. And I the show is so good. The show would be a good show, I think, without this character. Like, there's a lot of great actors, a lot of really beautiful writing and storytelling. But because Jude Law is so good in it, anytime he's not in a scene, I'm just kind of, like, so over it. I'm, like, ready to get back to Jude Law. Because I, to me, he makes this show. And, and he makes a show that would have already been good. He makes it just, like, ten times better. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely feel that way about any, anything he's in. But <laughs> yeah, this is this is definitely, I think, a high point in, in his career. Um, s- plot wise, sure. plot wise, what would you say this show is about? This show is about a young pope that gets selected <laughs> who is an American and who starts to shake up an institution. Mm-hmm. And it's about the people who are at the highest, you know, points in that institution dealing with um, someone who they completely didn't expect. Correct. Correct. I think there are a lot of parallels to House of Cards that a lot of people have made with this show. Yeah. um, Which I I can see, but I also think it brings a whole different dynamic. I mean, Jude Law is not Frank Underwood. Jude Law is not Kevin Spacey's character. That's not who he's playing at all, but it is about the power structures and kind of guiding a religion like this into the future and what what the, f- the future is going to look like. Um, and I don't know, I guess for me still just kind of working through this, I don't know the character of the young Pope. I don't know who he is or, you know, what he, what he really, really wants. Sure. And I, I get that that's the point of it right now. Right. Um, But I want, I want more of that. I I do want something to kind of hang on to there. One thing that I think, yeah, has followed from the pilot throughout these past, you know, five episodes that I've watched is that it's both like thrilling and frustrating that we don't really know what's real and what isn't regarding that character. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't know what he what does he truly believe and what is he performing for other people for like right, power, right. political moves? Um, what, what relationships does he truly believe in versus what, which ones is he just using for his own benefit? What, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What does he actually believe about God? Like we really don't, you know, I feel like we get a few clues in the moments when he is truly by himself. Um, but even that, you know, does a person who is constantly performing for other people, does that person still perform when he's by himself? You know, I think that's a right. question that this show is right. asking us. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that it's fascinating. There is a part of me, you know, the part, the part that really appreciates a good traditional story that is like, give me something to, to anchor me to this character. Mm-hmm. That's an indisputable fact about him 
and his beliefs, you know, so that right. when we see him in other scenes, we know whether he's lying or not. And that's that's something that I think surprised me is how much we get to know the peripheral characters. We get to know a lot more about them and their history and background and kind of what they're feeling and stuff like that than we do our main character. Yeah. Which I don't it is interesting. It's really it's really interesting. It's a, it's something I haven't really seen seen a lot before. Um but I I still want more out of it. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about some of like the humor and the camp that this show brings. Because yes. I will say that the campy parts about this show are my favorite parts of the show. And <laughs> I wish there was like you know, double or triple the amount of camp in each episode. <laughs> but because there isn't, I really relish the moments that they occur. What's your favorite campy moment so far? I mean, I always love seeing nuns play sports. I think that's like always really funny to me. Um, yes. I also love um, like the styling of the Pope. Like, even though those might be, like, the true official outfits that the Pope wears, in this show, it makes it look like a joke. Like, the holy tracksuit that this guy wears <laughs> makes me laugh every time I see it. And um, his, you know, like, flair for the dramatic, I think, is also really great. And the kangaroo, man, I fucking love that kangaroo. Um, <laughs> every time it's on screen, I'm just like, it's back. So he, yeah. there are little elements like that that just make you think, what is happening? There's a kangaroo parading around the lawn, yeah. just not not associated with the plot in any way, shape, or form. But every once in a while, will just kind of show up, right? And that's that's the kind of thing that makes this show ridiculous, but so fun to watch. Yeah, because crazy stuff like that happens. Um, at certain point in this, and I'm definitely don't want to spoil anything, but. As you, as you go through the the series, there are certain points you're like, I cannot believe I'm watching this right now. I like when I started The Young Pope, I never thought I would be watching these things happen right. in a show like this. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. Have have you watched anything else by Paolo Sorrentino? You know, not that I know of. Okay, I watched the the only thing that I've seen of his before The Young Pope is Youth. Um, he wrote and directed um, a a film with Michael Caine. Uh, Rachel Wise, Jane Fonda, last year uh, they got nominated for I think best original screenplay, um, and that was the first thing of his that I'd seen, and it was really, really good and interesting, like this. So it's making me want to go back and watch a lot of his other stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, I am blown away by like the creative genius that's happening behind this show, both in storytelling and visually. Um, mm -hmm. I can't stress enough, like, how visually remarkable this show is. Um, I mean, it feels like we're watching an incredibly high-budget movie. Like, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, feel, I feel guilty watching it in my home and not in a theater, you know? Um, <laughs> it's really remarkable. I, I know that they filmed in Rome, but even still, I'm like, where did y'all film? Like, where? How, <laughs> how are they getting, like, these... Um, these locations. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I'm bringing it back, but just like, I can't get over the, the humor that's involved in the show and not just like kind of the campy humor that I mentioned earlier, but like yeah. true, I feel like punchlines, not, not like set up joke punchlines, but true, um, 
like moments of dialogue that make me laugh. Um, yeah. It, this show does so much. And uh, I'm trying to think. I don't remember what else I was going to say about that. I think, I think like just talking about the humor of the show, sure. I think there's so much that is in the performances. Absolutely. Like, like you said, they're great written jokes that are, that are, that are funny in the show. Um, but so much of these, these things that we end up laughing at, I think are because of the portrayal and because of exactly how right. these people are performing these roles. Yeah. Um, this is, I, I think even if this isn't the best show on television, I think you can get a lot of nominees next year for for Emmys and stuff coming from this show. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Jude Law doesn't get nominated, that'll just be like yeah. such a crime. <laughs> um, so let's talk about before we get into spoilers, um, some of like the themes of this show, because it blows my mind that this show was not only filmed before Donald Trump was elected, but mm-hmm. aired before Donald Trump was elected. Like it aired in a different yeah. country. Yeah. In October. <laughs> and yep. yet it feels like this is a direct response to this election. Right. I mean, you have you have someone elected um that no in a position really of power that no one expected to win and Who's not no really one really prepared. knows. Yeah, and doesn't really know kind of what what uh what is kind of expect or what doesn't doesn't really know or care about like or care exactly about like the institution uh, norms mm-hmm. yes um so yeah go for it i feel like the biggest thing that this show has captured at least in the early episodes that i've watched that really resonates with me and this current political climate is simply that feeling of my God, what have we done? You know, <laughs> seeing these yeah. officials interact with this Pope and seeing the way this Pope interacts with the public um, or chooses to not interact with the public or the press um, mm-hmm. is, and seeing their horror of the fact that we elected this person. Um, and now this person has so much power over a billion people. And um, so just that horror, I think, you know, I feel very strongly. Um, But it's also like putting forth a lot of questions that I think we're all asking ourselves right now, other than, my God, what have we done? Um, (laughs) Which are things like, can our institution survive a powerful, insane person in this position? Right. Is our right. institution strong enough? Was it designed to with over like to to withstand, you know, this kind of abuse? Um, yeah. And is it worth fighting for? You know, or is it mm-hmm. or is it yeah. you, know, you know like is this something you should abandon? Um, these are a lot of like questions right. that a lot of people are asking themselves right now about our government that these officials are asking themselves mm-hmm. about the church. And I think that's what's very interesting about the Catholic Church is that it's been around for thousands of years and had terrible popes and <laughs> and yeah. very destructive people kind of running it at certain points. And it has survived and it has continued and it's, I don't know about like fixed itself, but um, the world moves on. And, and seeing them in this position in this show 
kind of in a modern day and age, uh, you still have that fear of can they survive this? Is this something that <laughs> that yeah. uh, that they can come back from? So it's it's very interesting. Um, How do you feel about the music? Oh yeah, let's talk about the music. I'm so in love with the music. I love how it is like continually flip-flopping between this modern, like almost pop music versus classical music. Um, the pop mm -hmm. music moments are my favorite on the show. Um, mm -hmm. The I, we, I think we should mention, and I don't think that this is a spoiler. I think I would have appreciated hearing this. There's an opening credit sequence yeah. that doesn't show up until the third <laughs> episode. Um, yeah. And I love this opening credit sequence so much. And I've now seen it with different types of music being attached, but the mm -hmm. type of music that I was in the third episode is just this like kind of driving guitar. If I remember it correctly, it, it, it's only the fourth episode does something different, okay. but the rest of the episodes come back to, uh, the, the Bob Dylan. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and so that, Opening that opening credit sequence, I think, is a perfect piece of artwork. Um, it captures like the essence of this show so perfectly, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think the music is a bit a major part of that. Oh yeah, it's an electric guitar version of Bob Dylan's um, "All Along the Watchtower." Okay, and yeah, just it's 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 basically slow motion the Pope walking down the hallway, and. So much is happening in the background. There's so much to get out of it. <laughs> and that's that's really it. And you have this electric guitar kind of blaring. And it feels so, so important. Yeah. <laughs> Just as that as that's kind of playing out, there's oh man, it's really good. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite opening, not opening sequences, one of my favorite title sequences for a TV show. Sure. Um Okay, I think we need to get into spoilers because I have some stuff I wanted to talk to you about about okay. God <laughs> that I think needs to happen in the spoilers. Yep. Um, All right, so, so if you don't want to know what God has to say about this, right. <laughs> tune out now. Um, so <laughs> let's, Lucas, we're going to talk about from episode five and before. So, you know, yep. that's kind of our, our boundary. Spoilers for episode one through five. Yes. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so one thing that this show is toying with that I am so fascinated by is whether or not the young Pope is a saint and has some sort of divine powers that go beyond yeah. just like a normal Pope. Yeah. I, it's, it's, that's, that's that's where this comes in, where we don't know much about him. Right. But we have we have Sister Mary, Diane Keaton, basically saying that he can heal people, <laughs> or that some miraculous things kind things of have occurred, have, have happened. Yes, yeah. yes, that he has healed someone before. That something like that has yeah. happened. That's implied. Yes, not stated directly. Um, correct, correct. And there's the whole pregnancy thing that's happening like yeah. the weird that was the um, very end of episode five was yes where, or at least that, like for me that it was kind of implied um yeah and there's yeah. the kangaroo and um yeah and even just the whole thing of him becoming pope you know mm -hmm. you know according to depending on who is telling the <laughs> truth or not um, yeah 
he the people were not going to elect him and then he became elected anyway and yeah. so and he has a you know monologue about how he willed that to happen again which mm-hmm. can you really trust whether he was telling the truth there or not right um, so i i think this is really interesting one because i love like magic and like i would classify <laughs> this under like a magical realm you know um just meaning like that it's not like average science ha- happening right you know? right um, supernatural right so just on a base level that's fun for me on a more like spiritual level it can mean like you can look at this show like to me one of two ways either he's not divine in any way and none of those things are actually miracles that he's causing um and it's all just kind of like happenstance that the show is kind of building up and he's this terrible yet brilliant man that is power hungry just like any other man yep and whether god is real or not doesn't really matter because right you know like that's not really playing into the actual story mm-hmm. on the other hand if he is div- if the show does make him into an actual divine person that can perform miracles my interpretation at this point of that would be god is real he did make this young pope into a saint and give him these powers and that is a dark message to me (laughs) that this is the man that god has chosen to deliver his message through right which I I was gonna ask like which what storyline would you like the most? Well, <laughs> but I here's the yeah. thing: I'm not opposed to the dark storyline. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the truth of our world. But uh, right. for this TV show, <laughs> I'm yeah, not opposed yeah. to that being the story that God is real and maybe He's not as loving as everyone wants Him to be. Right. And that right. and that Lenny is right. And telling the truth about mm-hmm. all of like his theology. See, to me, that would make him less mysterious in my head. <laughs> and I and and I think that's what I want more is I guess the there's so much mystery surrounding him right now. I want them to answer those questions, but I feel like it's almost too easy just to say, Yeah, God chose him, God's working through him. Yeah, I don't know if that's to me that's not an easy answer. To me it's like a much yeah. more complicated answer. Because the god that I think most of Christianity thinks they know is in if that is the the truth is inherently different than what we thought. Yeah. And to me that's yeah, a most a very interesting complicated story. Yeah. Um so I'm really really fascinated by what the show is going to do with that. Um mm-hmm. one thing that i I want a plot point that i am a little confused by and so keep in mind lucas i've only watched episode five so don't spoil anything for me it's like (laughs) revealed but um i'm really confused about and this is such such a minor thing but the relationship between sister mary and the pope lenny and the other orphan boy whose name i'm forgetting that's like yep. basically like a brother to Lenny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the pilot episode, when Lenny shows up at the orphanage as a child and calls her Ma, and she says, no, you have to call me Sister Mary. 
I interpreted that as like, oh, this is his mother who doesn't want people to know that she gave birth to this kid. And so like he's pretending that like she's not his mother and that she's just a nun. And like, so when she showed up in that, she showed up to the Vatican, he's like, Mm -hmm. he like brought his mother to the Vatican, like his biological mother. And, um, and they're still, you know, like maintaining this thing. We're like, I'm not your mother. I'm just a nun. And so then we realized like that, I realized like that's not the case. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because this whole thing about his parents, is like a major plot point throughout these episodes and who his parents are. Um, what confused me about that also was when, do you remember what the other character's name is that plays the brother? Andrew, I think. Yeah. Andrew. Um, Cardinal Andrew, I can't pronounce his last name. So yeah. when Andrew shows up as a kid and he calls the nun Sister Mary and she says, no, never call me Sister Mary, call me Ma. Um, I'm just trying to figure out why that's the case. Like, right. why <laughs> did she say that to this first kid, which is Andrew? Because I think we learned later that Andrew was there first. Mm-hmm. Um, why did the first time we see her interact with the child, she insists on him call- on being called Ma, and we see that he still calls her Ma as an adult. And why later did she insist to Lenny, no, call me Sister Mary, and he calls her Sister Mary. I just, I'm very curious about the dynamics between the three of them. Yeah. And um, why, like, those two in particular are near and dear to her of the other out of all the other orphans and um, what their, like, familial relationships are like. Yeah, it's definitely something they explore more later, um, but still not completely. Yeah. I mean, like the questions you're asking, I'm still asking. So, (laughs) but, but, but at this point, I think I'm going to get an answer, I think is where I'm at. So like, I know, I know that it's not something they're just going to leave untied, I think. Okay. Um, Now that we're in spoilers, I do want to say I laugh out loud every time I see Diane Keaton in that I'm not a virgin shirt. I know. It's, it's so funny it that she wears. <laughs> it is. And then it's, no one comments on I, it. That it's just I'm like, a virgin, but this is an old shirt. Yes. And that's like that's like her sleep her sleep shirt that yes. <laughs> she wears at night. <laughs> and nobody has said anything about it at all. Yeah. But she's answered the door in the middle of the night like three times. I and love she's it. always wearing uh, that shirt. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. You know, uh, one thing I want to say now that we're in spoilers is that before I started this show, I think I kind of just assumed because I I kind of heard people joke about it before the show started that like mm-hmm. the young pope equals like a young a pope that fucks, um, <laughs> and so I kind of just expected him to like be having sex, like that that was gonna be part of like the risque nature of this show is that like the Pope like has sex with people Um, (laughs) and it hasn't happened yet. So I was very surprised that that wasn't like a given for this show. I'm so glad it's not. Yeah. Because that, that like solidifies his character at that point. Like, you know, you know stuff about him at that point. And it's, and it's much more of a basic story. Exactly. Exactly. Where this is so ambiguous about who he is and what he wants and stuff like that. So there's, there's so many points in this where I'm like, are we going to learn more about him now? No, we're not. Okay. never mind. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, which, which I love episode five, I think was, particularly stunning um and 
a lot of the writing in that I thought was very beautiful, especially mm-hmm. the stuff about him, like not being able to love people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the few times, you know, a show often, TV shows often do this where a character will say something like maybe they sing a song that they've written or they'll give a speech or, and people will react like that was so beautiful when the writing wasn't actually like that beautiful. (laughs) But in this instance, I totally believe it when tons of people are very moved by the, by the things another character is saying, um, Mm -hmm. because I was moved when that character was saying those things. Um, so that was one particular thing about episode five that really blew me away. The other thing was his long monologue to the Cardinals. Um, yes. Just about about how... What the church is going to be. Yes, right. Um, that was, I think, really impressive to watch. And the writing, I think, was particularly good in that. One thing that made me laugh throughout watching all of that, Lucas, was I want you to go back and watch this scene because his rhythm and i think he does this in a lot of times when he monologues but especially mm-hmm. in this address yeah his rhythm is exactly like a slam poet <laughs> it's like you look through concrete rooms with no windows and it's like <laughs> and, it's, and it's like so ambiguous and um, like he's like barely like saying like normal sentences that it was really funny at the same time, like also being super interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to re- rewatch that for sure. There, there are, I'm sure, a lot of things that we're forgetting to talk about. Um, I know. I think. I know. Once uh, this, do you know how many episodes are in this season? Ten. Ten. Only okay, ten. So it's almost yep. over. Um, and it's it's a limited series. It's not a like this is the whole story. Like they're not gonna be. There's not gonna be a season two. Nope. This is not a this is oh. not a TV show. This is a miniseries. I didn't know that. Yep. Well, now that I you know get... that, I'm gonna be dragging <laughs> out these episodes a little bit longer. <laughs> yep, ten and done. Okay. Well, um, I think you and I will need to discuss it more once the whole thing is over. Um Yes. Man, I really didn't know that and I'm really annoyed now because i feel like there's so much room for storytelling there is a lot can happen here world yep yep well damn okay (laughs) if you're watching the young pope and you want to chat with us about it you can do so at our twitter account um at feeling it pod um you can also find us on like personally on twitter if you want to message one of us individually um, I am at Sandra Amstutz on all social media accounts. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat at Lucas and Stuff. So let us know what you think of The Young Pope. Leave us a comment on iTunes if you're really enjoying our podcast. And thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate you. Adios. Bye. Ciao. <laughs> Italian. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 